Welcome to "Quote Unquote Guilty" on Word Salad Radio. I'm your host Joe Ketchum, and I'm joined today once again by Tyler Pistorius. How's it going, Tyler Pistorius? It's going. How are you, Joe? I am good. I'm really good. You know, excellent, excellent. Yeah. Uh, li- a listener, listeners, just a, just a little disclaimer. I'll, if I might start coughing or I might start um, uh, clearing my sinuses, that's because I'm developing a bit of a bit of a cold, uh, just because. Tis the season. Uh, we're 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 at the tail end of spooky season. It's starting to get cold out. It's or of course we're in Illinois. I'm in Illinois. It's, it can't make up its mind whether it wants to be warm or cold. And so my sinuses are just kicking my ass. So this is going to be a bit of a gross episode on my end. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Natural human things happening. All that, all that, all that fun stuff that I'm sure uh, is great to hear while you're, especially if you're listening and eating at the same time. Oh yeah, this would be a great time to get like a sandwich. <laughs> great time to get a sandwich, and uh, yeah, I mean, uh, and also uh, speaking of bodily fluids, uh, today's episode is going to be on Star Trek: The Motion Picture. Are there bodily <laughs> fluids in Star Trek: The mm. Motion Picture? Well. If you if you kind of look at V'ger as if uh, if you kind of look at it through the lens of a uh, Doctor Sigmund Freud, V'ger is like one great big space vagina. Okay. <laughs> so, but I guess we'll get into that in a bit. But yes, uh, today's episode is Star Trek: The Motion Picture, the director's 19- cut, the director's edition. Yes, from 1979, and then the director's edition that came out in 2001, if I'm not mistaken. A Space then, Odyssey, if you will. It, yes, Star Trek 2001, A Space Odyssey. And in actually, as recent as this year, the director's edition got a bit of a makeover, and it also got a re-release, a uh, very limited re-release in theaters. The, the 4K restoration, where they cleaned up a lot of the visual effects in it, they fixed the color timing, and this was after it was already re-edited from the theatrical version into the director's cut that we all know. And it's the same version, it's just that it's a little bit cleaner. Um, everything's a bit more polished. Uh, I got a chance to see it in the theater, uh, the, the director's edition, and it was a fantastic experience. Joe, what are your what are your memories of Star Trek: The Motion Picture, the director's cut? Um, I honestly don't remember this one growing up, watching the motion picture. Certainly not the director's cut until I I bought the ten movie Star Trek set on Vudu or got a code somewhere and redeemed it on Vudu. But I own I own the whole Star Trek movie collection, or I guess it's just uh, OG and next gen. Yeah, it's not, it's not the Kelvin movies, which I own also separately. But when I got it, I was like, well, I'm going to watch the Star Trek movies. That'll be fun. And I watched the motion picture and I loved it and I didn't remember anything about it. I was like, oh, this was really uh, cool. And, you know, we'll we'll talk about it. And then I watched Wrath of Khan because that one I did remember growing up. I watched Wrath of oh, Khan yeah. a lot when I was a kid. And Wrath of Khan totally holds up. Wrath of Khan is yeah, a stellar movie. <laughs> <laughs> movie kicks ass. I saw that. I saw that when it uh, got re-released in theaters because it's his 40th anniversary. That movie just kicks ass. It's yeah, so great. <laughs> it is so great. And then I just stopped watching the Star Trek movies for whatever reason. I, I had no reason to stop. 
I don't know if I've seen them all. I've seen all the next gen ones, but I don't know if I've seen all six of the original cast Star Trek movies, but I should rectify that. I should go through them for better or worse. I, I think you'll really like uh, the, the Undiscovered Country, which is uh, part six. Now, I'll, I'll talk about that in a bit. I actually, I, along with a group of friends, have been revisiting the Star Trek movies. Uh, we did see the first one and the second one in the theater. We watched three. Uh, I watched three by myself. And then my friends and I watched four and six and Generations together. Uh, next up, we were going to be planning on watching either First Contact or if another group of friends is ready, we're going to get together to watch Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, which is the black sheep of the original <laughs> cast Star Trek movies. And by black sheep, I mean it's the worst one of the six, the original six. And then we're basically just kind of do like a kind of like a private live Rift Tracks kind of deal. But yeah, in revisiting the Star Trek movies, um, I think my top three would basically be The Undiscovered Country. It would be... The, the Wrath of Khan, and uh, for me, the motion picture. Uh, I'm a big fan of the motion picture. Um, it's one that I know a lot of people don't really rank as high as the others, especially when you put it like next to First Contact or even the first Kelvin Star Trek. Um, although I'm, I'm a bigger fan of Beyond than I am of the first Kelvin Star Trek. I do I do like it fine, though. Yeah, um, I think it's a lot of fun, the first Kelvin Star Trek. But yeah, I, oh, think yeah. We, I think we've talked about Beyond. Did we do an episode about Beyond? Uh, I don't know if we have yet. We did talk about Beyond favorably when we discussed It the Darkness on Blockbuster Autopsy, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, because, yeah, I really like uh, Beyond, too. I think, okay, well, let's, let's talk about Beyond on a future Chronicle Guilty. Yeah, that and Generations. I don't know how you feel about Generations, but I, I've always loved Generations. I just watched Generations again. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, a good uh, bridging of the old and the new. Uh, the next generation. I'm still fingers crossed that the next Kelvin movie is going to be a remake of Generations. Oh, and we bring in um, Picard. Bring and... in a next gen crew. Yeah, I think that yes. would be fantastic. I would love that so much. <laughs> it would be so great. But, but motion yes. picture. Yes, um, the motion so picture. I think it's. I think it's pretty easy to see why people wouldn't like it because it's so slow and pensive and uh, deliberate. Yes, but very glacial, very yeah, glacial. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like right from the opening, like overture that the movie has for yes. <laughs> for pa passing understanding. We start with an overture in the dead of space, and then we get into this is a Paramount movie, and this is a whatever, and you know mm -hmm. the opening credits with the, the the theme song. But during the overture, I was like, man, this is beautiful, but it's a full on overture. <laughs> <laughs> it is a full, a full blown overture, like like two thousand one, a space odyssey, like, like Ben Hur, yeah, 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 Ben Hur, exactly. And so, and they did the overture again when we sent, when we when we went to go see it in the theater, and I was just like, oh, it's like coming home, and I and I miss overtures in movies, <laughs> especially totally. Especially if the movie comes with an intermission. Although this one doesn't, it's not that long. I love that it does come with that um, overture. And it's of uh, Ilya's theme that leads into the theme of the motion picture, which is now recognized more as a theme to Star Trek The Next Generation. Great yeah. score by Jerry Goldsmith, my, by the way. Oh, my God. <laughs> it, was, it was so funny. I had to look up Jerry Goldsmith during the movie because there was a part in the score that I was like, Oh, that was Ghostbusters. Like there was a Ghostbusters trip <laughs> in it. And I was like, did this guy do Ghostbusters? He did not. But there's like an was, interesting mo Ghostbusters yeah. moment in it. 
Well, I, th- I think him and uh, Elmer, Elmer Bernstein, who did do Ghostbusters, they were contemporaries. And so I think they kind of took a little bit from each other. I mean, they're both amazing composer composers. Uh, there's one other credit that I noticed that I thought was really neat. Uh, I'm going to look this up real quick uh, because I've got the Wick- I've got the Memory Alpha fandom page on uh, the motion picture. And I'm also looking up because it was uh, oh uh, Todd Ramsey, the editor. He edited a little film from 1982 called The Thing, directed by John Carpenter. Oh, fuck yes. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I saw the name. I was like, oh, Joe's going to like this. <laughs> and kind of like The Thing, I would argue there's not much wasted in this movie. It's like maybe there's things right. we could trim down, but it really sets this tone within the movie that like you really kind of want it to take its time, or I do when I watch it. It's like I do too. I mean, there's a there's an impending doom and there's a conflict and there's, you know, character stuff going on. But it's hard to imagine cutting anything out of this and not weakening the movie in some way. I think. Yeah, I think if you took anything out, it would weaken the movie because I think a lot of it, it really is about that discovery, that that journey towards the unknown that the crew goes on. And the thing and also just kind of understanding what this weird anomaly is this uh, this weird space anomaly with the V'ger because you got it's like this giant this cloud that's like millions of miles wide and whatever it touches it apparently either just destroys or just reduces to atoms or as we learn later it's <laughs> in a weird way assimilates them and then uh, projects them out as a probe which is what happens to Latina Ilya uh, played right. by a Persis Kambada yes and so the, the the implication is that the original person is, or the original uh, life form that is assimilated is definitively dead. That's the major implication is that Ilya deceased, gone, <laughs> never to be seen again. Uh, and it's just this probe that remains, although the probe does retain all the memories, too. So it's so like yeah. the V'ger is also like a life form in and of itself. It's just one that's like it's basically like a cosmic vulcan and <laughs> that it doesn't really have like emotions yeah it's pure logic it's pure mm-hmm. knowledge and i like that idea that over the centuries of viger wandering around the universe it just amasses so much knowledge that it eventually gains sentience it gains agency and was like yes it's re- there's a real nice message to star trek in general i think the way roddenberry uh, originally envisioned it Whereas that pursuit of knowledge and that curiosity and like humankind is meant to figure things out and explore and not so much meant to like get into wars and conquer and (laughs) defend themselves from threats as, you know, a lot of the more exciting Star Trek uh, endeavors are like this is like pure uncut Star Trek to me where it's just about the the beauty of human ingenuity and pursuit. Oh yeah. Also, this this is hard science fiction too, <laughs> and I love that about this movie. Uh, like you said, yeah. In terms of the action scenes, there's only one time where the the Enterprise fires a, a photon torpedo. Only one instance, and it's just an asteroid that's in the way as they're going through a wormhole. That's basically it. <laughs> that's your yeah. action scene. <laughs> You're right. You're right. That's the only time we fire a weapon because Kirk assumes that any sort of aggression interpreted by the cloud would be is what caused the other attacks so he goes in no shields no weapons like no it's like we'll uh, we'll defend ourselves if it attacks but i i don't want to give it any sense that we're being aggressive and that's yeah. 
for the <clears throat> most part works out. I mean, there's another piece of the puzzle they have to figure out, but that's essentially it. And the audience see, knows beforehand, too, what happens if, if you do go in aggressively like the Klingons do. And, the, and obviously, the, it does not go very well for the Klingons. <laughs> Though few things in history do go well for the Klingons. <laughs> that is true. Especially when they're brought back in the Kelvin universe, they get bested by uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch, who is totally, totally not Khan Noonien Singh. I don't care it's what anyone says. Yeah, he's not Khan. He says right no, he, he's got a different name and everything. He can't be John Khan. Harrison. Nope. Wouldn't yeah. that be dumb? If, wouldn't that be dumb if they made him Khan? It'd be dumb. He'd be the dumbest thing if they made him Khan. Khan. Be just the worst. Just the worst. Glad they never did that. Glad they did not do that. <laughs> good, good call. Just, just John oh, Harrison, my. Starfleet officer, bad guy. <laughs> also. When they when they when they go investigate V'ger a bit further, and uh, Spock gets into his suit, which actually looks a little bit like the suit that he does wear at the opening of Star Trek in the Darkness. Only this one, it yeah, it definitely feels a lot more practical and feel, and also looks incredibly seventies, which I love. Yeah, when he goes into the V'ger, the the opening of the V'ger does whether consciously or subconsciously resemble a vagina. And it's more, it's he, more like an asshole. It's like a, it's or a sphincter. Yeah. Cause it's, so, it's so, like a, it's like the emblem from portal, the overture <laughs> <laughs> like flower. <laughs> and, uh, whenever he enters into it, he says, uh, I have successfully penetrated, uh, into, uh, through the first break, through the first barrier of the, of the feature. <laughs> it's like penetrated. Oh yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah, you, did Spock. you will dog you. <laughs> well, I mean, this movie, for as clean as it is, um, I mean, it's a PG movie. Like, literally anybody of anybody of any age can see it. IMDb told me it was G-rated. Uh, oh, it's G-rated. Okay, yeah. so it is. So it, it's fascinating, Joe, that Star Trek The Motion Picture is a G-rated film, and one of the themes in it is fucking. <laughs> I mean, literally, that's the thing. I, I mean, because it, it goes into... That, that, that core mystery of, you know, why are we here? Uh, and, and also, Beecher is ultimately asking, why am I here? And with the ending, I mean, yeah, we're going all the way to the ending here. We, you know how this works. We, just, we jump around a lot. When uh, the Ilya probe and Decker come together and they uh, dissipate into the Beecher, and then the Beecher itself dissipates, they basically say, and they say a new life form was created. Yeah. And even, Bone, and even Bones jokes, ah. Been a long time since I delivered a baby. It's let's okay. Let's go through the birds and the bees again, people. <laughs> <laughs> when a when a sentient robot and a man love each other very much, mm-hmm. they fuck. <laughs> oh yeah, and the, and the, and I'll tell you, this movie fucks. It's just that it's really classy and tasteful about it. And I'll, and and the thing is, kids would probably have no idea that that's even one of the themes about it, which is important that you don't want to you know introduce the kids too early to that concept. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but it's watching it again, especially as an adult. It's like, oh my god, it it is. This is so so much about sex. It's great. <laughs> That's one theme I picked up on. So, but what, uh, sure. what are some other what are some other observations you noticed? Well, since we we mentioned Decker, I want to talk about Decker because I love yes, Decker. great character. I think it's the real shame of this is that Decker. It doesn't die, but, you know, unites with V'ger in the end and doesn't get to continue to be a character in these movies because he's so great. 
Yes. <laughs> and Decker is our, uh, he's our captain until Kirk takes command. Um, that ass, that asshole. That, that total <laughs> asshole. He's just in it for the glory, Kirk. But Decker, like, understands his role and his duty. And he's like, I'll serve as executive officer until I'm assigned to be captain of another ship. And, like, he adapts and adjusts so well. And he... He challenges Kirk in really interesting ways. I think that Kirk gets romanticized as like his instincts are always right and he always knows what's going on. He's always got the upper hand. And this movie yeah. like shows that Kirk is behind the curve in a lot of this. And oh, yeah. De- and Decker is up on all of it. Well, that that whole conversation they have about, you know, Decker's like, this is a totally new enterprise. Like, you don't know it as well as I do. Because he was on that enterprise since that enterprise was built. And uh, and also, <laughs> I love that it's a it's a brutal brutal callback because uh, it's after um, Viger basically abducts Ilya that they had that conversation where Kirk basically kind of sarcastically asks, uh, uh, "What would you? How would you define unwarranted?" That's asked earlier on, and then after Ilya is abducted by Viger and then never seen again, uh, and not as Ilya but only as the Ilya probe later on, Decker goes. That's how I would define. This is how I would define unwarranted. Yeah. <laughs> so because like, I mean, it's because of your actions, Kirk, mm-hmm. that this has happened and we've lost her. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So which oh, is totally so fair. Like mm-hmm. it's it's so interesting with Star Trek, especially something like this, because you're dealing with Viger has its own culture, and it's difficult from a human perspective to understand its morality and what it's trying to accomplish and it doesn't mesh with human morality and so that yeah. culture shock is really fascinating so Viger does not think of humans as life forms as legitimate no. life forms it doesn't care about human life it only cares about life forms that are similar to itself other machines yeah they call it it calls it an infection it calls carbon based yeah. life forms an infection yeah yeah an infestation of the enterprise yeah the mm-hmm. the enterprise the enterprise is the the living thing to viger and the the carbon units the humans are an infestation they're a virus that has infected the enterprise correct so, yeah <laughs> so it's hard it's interesting because when viger takes ilia essentially kills her copies her makes her into a probe a spy for itself it's like it's really hard to sympathize with that because it's so cold-blooded from a human perspective. But you quickly understand that it's just how it works. It's like an animal that doesn't know better, doesn't know of human morality. And that's really fascinating to think about. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, Viger is basically like a cosmic animal. And it's just existing in basically like Werner Herzog's definition of the infinite universe. It's indifferent it's uncaring Mm -hmm. it's 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 all of herzog's concepts of what the the actual universe is in the world and let alone just like the world that we inhabit just fully realized and it blows my mind that it's a g-rated film because literally everything around the enterprise can and will kill people (laughs) so we're dealing with death and loss and all these very adult things it's like yep g-rated for all audiences I mean, hell, they had a transporter malfunction. They still got away with oh the Oh, my rating. God. The transporter <sighs> malfunction was horrifying. Horrifying. Yeah. Oh, God. It's so uh, just the concept of it where, you know, all of your all of your pieces are trying to assemble together and they can't. And so basically, as a result, you're going to feel everything like your your nerves are going to be exposed when they're not supposed to be. You're going to be put to back together looking all messed up. Yeah, because there's a moment where the the person, the woman being transported, like 
realizes what's happening and feels what's happening to her and screams before she disappears. I was like, that is absolutely horrifying. Oh, yeah. And I remember, oh, Todd Ramsey, the thing. Uh, Okay, there's that connection. Yeah. Yeah, it's in a weird way. Yeah, Star Trek, the motion picture has elements of it being a horror film. In a lot of ways. Uh, I mean, it's it's not a horror film per se, but like parts of it, I think, are more horrifying than certainly most scary movies that have been coming out as of late. Um, it yeah, was, it for was sure. Far more horrifying than, than Scream 3. That was a horror film I watched recently. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do like the Scream franchise, but that third one, though, oh, man. That was, that was a little too scary movie for my taste. Uh, yeah. Speaking of what, that's, that's some that's, garbage. But no, uh, yeah, the transporter scene. Yeah, I think, and the and the woman, I think that was supposed to be a Vulcan. So that which also makes that actually even more horrifying because a Vulcan doesn't really express, you know, fear or terror or pain like a human does. Except so when she, that she happens. must have been really <laughs> pushed to an extreme. Yeah, you're right. It highlights yeah. how bad it must have been for a Vulcan to have that reaction. Captain, what we got? What we got back here didn't last long, fortunately. Is that is the following line? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't say who we got back, what we got back. <laughs> yeah, the pieces of this thing that used to be a person didn't live long, so didn't yeah. suffer much. It's 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 the transporter scene from Galaxy Quest, only played completely straight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's in, but sir, it's inside out, and it exploded. <laughs> <laughs> Greg <laughs> neck, Greg neck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, what else? What else can we talk about? I mean, we got the returning crew back. Uh, all, all, all seven of the key players. Uh, yeah, they all kind of went their separate ways mm-hmm. between the series and the movie. Uh, Scotty stayed with the Enterprise and was instrumental to her redesign and rebuild. God, I love Scotty, especially in this. Yeah, Scotty's great. Um, it seems like Chekhov also, or no, Hura also stayed with the Enterprise the whole time. Sulu's still there. Mm-hmm. Uhura's um, given a bit to do in this one, which is nice. Yeah, yeah. I would like to see her do more. It, it's it's she's great. Yeah. She's well, great. Oh, wait, wait, wait till you see the Undiscovered Country. Uh, you'll okay. you'll get your money's worth there. <laughs> it's one thing I like. I, I really like about the Kelvin Uhura, especially like her as an officer working on yeah. the bridge, is like. You know, she speaks all these languages and she's a master of communication. Like they really, I feel like, play up her intelligence and her savvy in the Kelvin version. Watch the uh, Undiscovered Country. You will love it. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll get to them. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I, I might as well rewatch Wrath of Khan again because fucking rules. Because it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Because it's awesome. And then, yeah, just keep going all the way through Nemesis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Which at, at oh. that point we'll have to do a blockbuster autopsy, so I never have to watch Nemesis oh, again. Man, oh okay, well, I'm with you. I'm with you. Oh man, you thought Dark Knight Rises was the most embarrassing bald Tom Hardy performance? <laughs> no, I've seen it. I've seen Nemesis. I know how bad it is. Oh yeah, uh, anybody yeah. who has seen it knows. Uh, the only person who liked it probably, or the person who had the best time doing it, was Patrick Stewart, because of course Patrick Stewart had the best time making it. He's always having a good time. Patrick Stewart don't uh, care. Just uh, having a bless, good time. Bless him. Uh, let's see, because uh, we got we got uh, Kirk back. Obviously, um, I love the one of the things that I that I love about you know this the things I love about this movie is you know it gets to the themes of you know why are we here? You know, to discovery, you know, exploration into the unknown, and most importantly, our 
all of the unnatural ways that William Shatner says the name Spock. <laughs> Spock. 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 <laughs> it's it's like Shatner's doing a parody of William Shatner. <laughs> it's, like, it's it's exactly what someone doing a Shatner impersonation would do. <laughs> and, and it's so endearing and charming. I love it. Oh, just just him, just him looking at the Enterprise whenever he is being uh, escorted there by Scotty, and we do that big fly around the ship and everything, and it just has like, all those shots of him just looking at the Enterprise, like he he's looking at the Enterprise, like he is about ready to just fuck that thing. I know. I I wrote in my notes that I'll never love a woman the way that Kirk loves the Enterprise. Oh my, it's amazing. And he's just reacting to nothing. It's like he's just looking at maybe the miniature. Maybe they're giving him something to look at. But it's like, I think Shatner is a pretty good actor Mm -hmm. because he looks like he could eye fuck the Enterprise that whole time. Oh, he does. He he is so in love with the Enterprise in that scene. Oh, yeah. And it's like going through his head, all the all the memories and all the the life and death situations and then of all the potential futures and all the all the potential future discoveries and adventures that'll go on that's how i interpret it and i imagine most audience members at the time were like oh my god why is this taking so long (laughs) it's the one thing that came to mind as far as the editing discussion that i might trim down is the fly around the enterprise just i love it though but i get it i get it i get it though (laughs) i mean like just narratively speaking they they take the shuttle all the way around (laughs) around the back to land on the 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 port side and back into a thing when they could have just initially gone right to that hole, but they had to fly around the whole thing and take it all in. Got to show that whole model off. You got to show off those Douglas Trumbull effects. They got to do it. Yeah, I think they could have done the same thing by having the Enterprise facing the where they left with the shuttle, and then they have to mm-hmm. fly around and enter in the back. So you get the whole, you know, you go around it and you see the whole thing. But it was just weird watching us. Like they go all the way around it to end up on the first side to to dock. <laughs> uh, but you see, they gotta they gotta build up to that grand. Oh, there's the front of the Enterprise, and then that grand. Duh, 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 duh. You're absolutely right, Joe. They could have totally trimmed that down. <laughs> but it's beautiful, and you know, it you is. really you really get the emotional connection for kirk i wish they'd also shown how he convinced this other admiral or his superior officer to let him you know take command of the enterprise i i, I could have used a scene like that for sure because he's like you know meet me meet me on the enterprise in an hour i intend i'm this meeting's gonna last three minutes and i intend to leave there with command and then we don't see the three minute meeting where he like blackmails her or whatever <laughs> to get command <laughs> of the enterprise that's a missed opportunity i think i agree but it is funny I, that I he just shows up and like, yep, I got command now. <laughs> or you could or you could have had like a I mean, it would have been in such a such a cop out way to basically deal with it. Oh, how'd you talk her? Oh, how did you talk him into getting to the Enterprise? Wasn't that wasn't that easy, but I was able to do it and then just like go about it. it like, yeah, you kind of need that scene. I mean, they probably could have added that line just to like kind of get that info dump out of the way and just like, yeah, get it done and done quick. But I would have liked to have seen that scene, especially because. Most of the dialogue scenes in this already are really terrific and, and not just about, you know, explaining what the V'ger is and everything, but just just the interactions between Kirk and uh, Spock and Bones. Those are always terrific. Uh, hell, Kirk talking to Scotty. Those are all fantastic. Oh, God, Bones when he shows up. Bones. It's so, it's beautiful. 
with the with the beard and the medallion and everything. <laughs> they drafted me, Jim. They drafted me. <laughs> uh, actually, I told them I needed you, and here you are. <laughs> uh, permission to come aboard. <laughs> but yeah, I love right before he's introduced when the like his nurses or whatever beam up or some other crew members beam up. And they're like, there's an officer who refuses to beam up. He he wanted to see how what happened to our molecules first. Clearly knowing about the previous uh, transporter incident. Yes. And he's like, you guys go ahead. If you survive, then I'll think about coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bones oh, is not Bones. stupid. He ain't stupid. Bones ain't stupid. <laughs> Bones ain't stupid at all. <laughs> oh, God. What's his first line to Spock? Uh, it's like... What's it? What's it? What's it, how's the first line to Spock go? It's something like something, like, like something like I never thought I'd say this, but I'm happy to see you. Oh, so help me! I'm actually pleased to see you. Yes, that's yeah, it. That's, that's what it was. Thank you. Oh, um, Spock. Spock was on Vulcan at the start of the movie doing the uh, mm-hmm. the colonar, which he doesn't end up passing because he ends up coming to the Enterprise. Yeah, he passes it like they're about to say, "You've done it." You've purged all emotion. Here's your medallion. And then he's like distracted by his sensing of V'ger in the distance. And she's like, wait a minute. You didn't. You're not Colinard. You, you have are, not achieved it. No. Yeah. You have not done it. And I'm going to throw this bracelet on the ground and you can come back and get it when you Colinard. Mm-hmm. Live long and prosper. <laughs> Live long and fucking prosper. <laughs> Spock. <laughs> <laughs> oh my yeah so we have a uh, spock coming on board and i like how i like how it, it takes spock and, and kirk a bit for just basically kind of reconnect a little bit like i love that you know, will you please just sit down sit please sit down spock yeah kind it's of, clearly kind of a much bigger deal for uh kirk to see spock he's missed yeah. him he's experienced emotions and it's like it's like for spock they just saw each other a few minutes ago. And so right. know, back back into duty as like, I don't understand why we're uh, delaying the impending doom and, you know, getting on our way. What's, uh, I don't see what the big deal is. It's like, we just saw each other. It's kind of like, um, I don't know if you saw the new Lord of the Rings series. I have not. It's really it good. good. I, I enjoyed okay. it a lot. But in one of the early episodes, Elrond goes to um, Minas Tirith to meet with his uh, dwarf buddy, who's like the king of Min- Minas Tirith. Oh, and, okay. and from Elrond's perspective, he was just there. It's like it, barely any time has passed because he's an immortal elf. And the dwarf is fucking pissed because it's been like 20 years <laughs> since Elrond, <laughs> his best friend, came around. <laughs> <laughs> And that's kind of the Spock Kirk dynamic of like, what's what's the big deal? I just saw yeah. you like ten years ago. <laughs> <laughs> ten years ago, come on! I, like, I mean, ease it up, ease it up. You're being a little clingy. <laughs> <laughs> being a little clingy. You know what else is clingy? Klingons. Why do you think they call them Klingons? Why do you think I call them that? <laughs> that's why they couldn't get rid of Worf through like no. eighteen seasons of Next Gen. <laughs> Funny enough, uh, Michael Dorn does show up as a Klingon, albeit a different one. Uh, he's the one who plays Worf in, in Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. And it's clearly oh. Michael Dorn. It's clearly him, but it's not Worf. It's a different Klingon. <laughs> also, friend of the show, Brian Bonsell, played Worf's son. Oh, yes, that's right. Or one of Worf's. I mean, one of the actors who played Worf's son, Brian Bonsell. Oh, that's awesome. Mikey... Yep. Mikey, 
So yeah, I like when Spock show. I like that Spock shows up and he actually, you know, has a purpose. He's not just there to track V'ger. He's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I think I can fix your engine problem so that we don't dive into a wormhole as soon as we hit warp one. <laughs> which which they do. <laughs> which they totally do. It's a cool sequence when they go through the mm-hmm. wormhole and time dilates and slows down. And again, I love that Decker supersedes Kirk's order. Kirk orders the phasers. And Decker's like, fucking no, you <laughs> bastard. <laughs> You're trying I'm to a torpedo check off, you Russian fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, everyone wow. just goes with it. Like, Decker seems to know what he's doing. So I'm going to listen to Decker and see how it goes. Even Kirk's like, that motherfucker. But let's see where he's going with this. <laughs> you know, that Decker, he, he might be as much of a racist as that Ilya probe. But damn it, he saved us all. <laughs> I am going to reprimand him good later. And Decker's like, re- it's it's my job to question orders and make sure you get the best information. And Kirk's like, yeah, you're fucking right. <laughs> Kirk's like, I will, I will, I'm going to take my sternly worded letter. I'm just going to put it back in my desk. Did I'll the original probably... Star Trek crew have an executive officer? Because wasn't Spock always the science officer? Um, or was he a- both? That's a very good question. I've I can I can count the number of original series episodes that I have seen on one hand. Uh, I still need. Yeah, a s- I I haven't really seen any either. I like watching this. I had it in my mind to like start making my way through all of Star Trek, and that that sounded way too hard. Yeah, I mean there there are choice episodes that I have seen. I remember I made a point to watch uh, Space Seed, which uh, Jeff Jeff's got uh, Burnham. He's got the uh, original Star Trek series on Blu-ray, I want to say. And so I remember I had just seen Star Trek Into Darkness. And I went over because I was uh, watching over for um, Al and uh, Martha while he and Amber went to go see Star Trek Into Darkness. And so I asked him, do you have Star Trek, the, the original series, specifically season one of the original series? And the reason why I asked that is because I knew the episode Space Seed was on there because that was the episode that introduced Khan. Played yeah, by, I'd be uh, interested to check that out. I, I think yeah. what I need is for someone to tell me the good episodes. Like someone who's watched it all, <laughs> like tell me which episodes I should watch of all yeah. the series. Like I'll watch anything, but I, I kind of don't want to slog through the mediocre shit. I want to watch yes. the best of the best. With uh, The Next Generation, I can tell you uh, right away um, – the measure of a man of season two is I would say probably the best episode of season two. And then the rest of the show, it doesn't really start to get consistently good until season three. Okay. So good to know. Uh, but yeah, measure of a man is season two. That is, that is legit. Like probably one of the best episodes of probably any star Trek, not just the next generation. Cause it, it's when a uh, data is put on trial. Oh. And so it's all about, you know, you know, do, do you try, do you try data as a human or do you have to make a special uh, exception because he's an Android and, if the android is found guilty what do you do about it so yeah i i saw a lot of next gen when i was a kid like as it aired so mm-hmm. it's possible i saw that when it first came out but you know yeah. there's i'm sure there are entire seasons of next gen i have no exposure to because it ran for so right. long uh, but like but like deep space nine i watched most all of i watched that as it came out and the new lower decks series is super fun oh yeah <laughs> but i even have to get caught up on that too uh um kirk's kirk's meeting for the crew yes is at oh four hundred fucking hours four in the morning i know he says he says get the crew together at oh four hundred on the recreation deck 
I was like, oh, 400? <laughs> what the goddamn fuck, Kirk? <laughs> oh, 400 does that. Four o'clock doesn't happen twice a day. Everyone knows that. I, uh, 300 years from now, yeah, they'll, they'll, well, who knows? Maybe the rotation of the sun will be so different <laughs> that the morning, you're literally experiencing the sun throughout the entire morning, <laughs> including the early morning. Okay, so, so yeah, th- they'll change the time so that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the day starts at sunrise. So that's 12 a.m. is sunrise. 12 a.m. is 4 sun- is like almost noon. It's like, you know, basically yes. it's almost lunchtime. So we have a little brunch and then we go to Kirk's meeting. That would make yeah, more sense to me. Yeah. And then at uh, 12 noon, that's when the, the shifts are kind of over for the most part. I mean, I mean, you still have to be on call in case anything happens. But that's when, okay, at 12 noon, that's... Uh, all right, it's it's super dark out. Let's all go to bed, basically. Um, oh. I'm guessing is how that works. But yeah, 0400, it's like, whoa, a meeting at four in the morning? Oh my God. <laughs> and what everyone's there of, and no one's complaining. What kind of bullshit, <laughs> unrealistic that, world are we dealing with here? No one's tired as fuck either. Oh, like they, sh- all, like, they should all be exhausted just because they've been working nonstop to get the Enterprise ready to launch. Yeah. And spoilers, it's not ready to launch. <laughs> No, it isn't. <laughs> so they should all just be completely exhausted, and they're not. But <laughs> they're inspired by Kirk's gumption to get everything done. Oh man, that that Captain Kirk. He's that a Captain fuck, Kirk. That, he's a fuck up, but boy, is he charming. <laughs> he's got all the charm. That's probably Wait. how he got the Enterprise. He fucked that other admiral lady. <laughs> he seduced her. Oh no, he he's just like the Kelvin Kirk. Yeah, for sure, for Yikes. sure he is. Yikes, the doodles. I mean, if she was an alien, like even all the better. Yeah, um, yeah. In terms of the uh, yeah celib- celibacy being on record, that will not apply anymore. Par- Sorry, Ilya. <laughs> oh yeah, I loved when she showed up and like randomly told us that she's celibate. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like okay, not relevant, but thank you for sharing. <laughs> It's like, not really sure uh, why you needed to share that with us, but okay. Uh, all right. So you, you you live the virgin and you die a virgin. Rock and roll. <clears throat> Until you become a robot and bond forever with a, a human. A, a human and, my God, have the most spectacular looking orgasm I have ever seen in any movie. Oh, yeah. They basically quantum leap. It's a qu- it's, it's quantum leap ejaculation. When you sent me the GIF, I thought it was a GIF from Quantum Leap. I was like, it doesn't look oh. quite right. It doesn't look quite right, but yeah, I didn't get it till I saw the movie. Like, oh, this is the GIF Tyler sent me as a tie-in for the movie. Absolutely. <laughs> um, she is gorgeous, though. Persis Kambata. I don't, oh, I don't know yeah. if I've seen that actor in anything else. But I I wouldn't recognize her because she's bald in this, but even like bald, she's so stunningly beautiful in this. She was in one other movie that I had seen. Uh, it was called uh, Nighthawks with Sylvester Stallone, Billy Dee Williams, and Rucker Hauer. Uh, and she, I believe, plays one of the bad guys in it. Some sad, a sad story, a sad thing about uh, Princess Kambata in 1998, uh, she passed away at the age of 49 from a heart attack. Uh, she did, yeah, she didn't have, uh, she didn't have uh, quite the illustrious film career, probably because since she is, she was an actress, she did something really horrible, and that was age. And because she had aged, 
Hollywood decided, ew, we don't want to touch you, even though like she is, she was like an incredibly gorgeous woman, even without a strand of hair on top of her head for the role of Ilya. I was like, oh my god, I get why Decker has feelings for her. Oh, for sure. It's like, so easy to see. But Tyler, I have to correct you. She's not dead. Mm-hmm. She's just missing. Missing in action. That's right. She's not dead, and neither is Decker. They are simply missing in action. And actually, accord- and according to the memory alpha, it says missing in action. So she's not dead. I'm pr- I'm positive I didn't catch it the first time I watched this, like two years ago. But this time, I noticed that Kirk referred to him as Captain Decker, and I was like, aww. Yeah, <laughs> there you go, there you go. So, and a nice, nice little character growth for him too, uh, for uh, Kirk. Yeah, I think Kirk grows a lot in this. Well, oh like, my god, yeah. He starts off just like kind of, uh, I don't know what the word I want is, but just like eager for the action, an adrenaline junkie almost. He's got to get back in the hot seat. He's got to get back in the in the Enterprise. That's where the action is. As we go on, he learns a lot and grows a lot, and is much more open minded and open to other people's opinions and input like i like the kirk at the end of this movie yes yes i do too and by and by yeah by the end of the movie it's like okay i want to see this kirk uh in the next film now that we've seen him grow a lot as a person basically he kind of sees what it means to actually you know be a leader and he sees that in decker it's like okay i'm on board with this captain now i can't wait to see the next film and the next film ends up being the wrath of khan and the fact that that is the fo- their direct follow-up to this, it's like, oh my god, actually, it kind of makes Wrath of Khan an even better movie, because we've now gone through all of this. <laughs> Absolutely. it's You really appreciate Wrath of Khan being a quote-unquote more traditional Star Trek movie. Um, Absolutely. When you, when you watch the motion picture, because, god, it's just so lovely. <laughs> it's yeah. So, it's so tranquil and serene and lovely. I love uh, whatever... They basically come to the conclusion or the discovery that V'ger is essentially a child. Yeah, I like the child bit. Where it's like, what do you suggest? Yeah. What do you suggest we do? Spank it? <laughs> <laughs> There's like a a Facebook group that is Star Trek quotes out of context, and that would be a great one for them to do. What do you suggest we do? Spank it? <laughs> that has to that quote's got to come up at some point. That has that to be on there already, but that's a great yeah. one. I feel like there was another one in this movie that is, oh, that'd be a great out of context Star Trek quote, but I don't think I wrote that one down. Yeah. that It's, it's, this movie's full of them, especially like some of the ones that have like sexual innuendos in them. Very, very cleverly hidden, uh, sexual innuendos, unless you're 13 emotionally like I am. And then Spock says penetrate, you go, (laughs) 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 which I did do in the theater and I do not apologize for it. I wasn't the only one who thought it was funny. Yeah, uh, yeah, basically, yeah, the discovery that V'ger is basically like a child. Because, yeah, ultimately, yeah, V'ger is a life form. It's not an evil life form. In terms of, like, what it's capable of, it can be, you know, incredibly destructive and devastating. But it's not some evil force. It's not some, like, diabolical villain. It's just this life form that exists. And, yes, it does It does develop its own agency. It wants to find the creator. Like, who yeah. is the creator? What is the creator? It doesn't know, and I and I like that they don't they don't go to God as the answer. Oh, of course, no. This is God. about the pursuit of science and mm-hmm. a, a science like a, a man made life form. Is well, kind of. I I also didn't remember this. Like Viger on on its travels lands on crashes into a planet that's actually made of mechanical life forms. 
and they mm-hmm. fix and they fix V'ger and send it on its way to find its creator, and then later it kind of uh, gains sentience through its acquisition of knowledge. But there is a race of robots somewhere out there that fix V'ger up and send it on its way to fulfill its purpose. All right, yeah, I like it. I mean, that's that's just in the. I'm not pitching that. That's in the movie. <laughs> I, I I know. I like it. I like it. <laughs> yeah. But but V'ger, you know, by all accounts, as a child, is like has not had interactions with human beings, and it's. It's an interesting concept that comes up sometimes in like Stephen Moffat's work, the oh, idea okay. of, a, of a of a child being a psychopath, and that's not its <laughs> fault. It's not malicious, but like there's some some great villains in Doctor Who that are essentially children or literally children. Like in the first season, like the, the Christopher Eccleston season, there's a a monster. It's a kid in a gas mask, and he has like these uh, extra supernatural powers, um, and he's just turning everyone into gas mask people like him, but he doesn't realize he's doing that. He's just, because he's a child looking for his mother, he's willing to cut through anyone in his way to find her. And so, yeah, it's like, it's the same kind of thing where V'ger is willing to destroy everything that's a potential threat to get to its mother, its creator. And that's a really relatable idea for a, a giant cloud monster. I think it's something that we've all kind of, I mean, I feel like, I I know I've asked myself at this, at this point and, why am I here? I mean, I know, I know how I got here. My dad fucked my mom, and I can't yeah. argue with, and I can't At argue least with, once, you know, and, and one, whatever once I, and only one time. <laughs> <laughs> and anytime I get in an argument with my dad, and he's just like, "Yo, yeah, well, I fucked your mom," and I'm like, "Okay, the argument's over. I can't, I can't challenge that." <laughs> Shit. And he's always gonna have that. He's always gonna hang that over my head. He fucked my mom. Um, <laughs> but. I know how I got here, but what is my purpose? I mean, it's my purpose to come here and do word salad uh, recording. I enjoy doing these. Uh, I will keep doing these for as long as I can. It's my purpose to go and be a performer. I haven't done that in a while uh, outside of, you know, doing this program and other programs as well, like Cinemark and all that good stuff. And pretty soon I'll be starting my own with a Purgus story. Um, it's my purpose to act. It's my purpose to make movies. Uh, it's my purpose to go work at a fucking mortgage shipping company for the rest of my life. I hope that that's not it. But, you know, why am I here? <laughs> what is my purpose? What what is my what is my destiny basically? Uh, obviously, aside from you know death, which is inevitable. What what is what is my purpose here? Yeah. Why, why now? Why why am I here now? Yeah, and I I don't believe in destiny. It's like that's very liberating in terms of reflecting on your own purpose. And it's like, well, yeah, the future is whatever you make it, as Doc Brown says. So make it yeah. a good one. I feel like I want to spend my life creating art, enjoying art. I want to spend my life educating people and pursuing knowledge. Mm -hmm. So that's been very satisfying for me. And for me, it's just been nothing about life right now makes any goddamn sense. Uh, Not not necessarily my life, just life in general. Uh, Mm -hmm. In particular, the outside forces that are kind of (laughs) having a very strong effect on the populace. Not just this country, but the world at large with... You know, ri- rising prices and rise in famine, rise in, you know, desperation and stuff and stuff like that. Uh, rising temperatures with the planets, 
all kinds of fun stuff that you really don't want to spend too much time thinking about, but at the same time, you also really have to think about it because you only get to do this this game once, and you only, as far as we know, this is the only planet that we have that is inhabitable, which obviously makes the stakes of the motion picture so great, uh, is that they got to make sure they save Earth because, one, that's home, and two, Earth is like one of those few planets that is, you know, sustain, that is able to sustain life. I mean, yeah. the planet Vulcan is, but also the planet Vulcan is, like, so fucking far away. Um. <laughs> I, I guess I noticed watching it how quickly time passes, which is kind of ironic when people's mm. main criticism is how slow the movie is. Like, a lot of time passes really quickly in the movie. Yes, it does. And sometimes it's really noticeable. Like, um, they say, uh, I think when they first get to V'ger, it's 20 hours from Earth. And then like a few scenes later, they've, you know, it's attacked them and they've figured out how to communicate with it and they're floating inside. And after a little while, they're like, this thing's 13 hours from Earth. Like, you guys spent all night doing this or what? You know, it's like, that was seven hours. So there's a weird time acceleration that I found interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. I don't know. Uh, what else? We talked about Jerry Goldsmith. Uh, I mean, the, the, the principal cast is all great. Uh, the, the themes of discovery and fucking are all potent. <laughs> <laughs> all, all the set design and... Um, oh, my God, yeah. Just just the shots of the Enterprise floating through V'ger, near V'ger, just all stunningly gorgeous. Yeah, and yeah. Oh, God, just yeah, going through V'ger, it's gorgeous. It's trippy. It really is otherworldly, too. Like, uh, especially... And I, and I love that you get to see all the reactions of the crew... And they're just looking at it, just going, oh, my. Like George Takai. Oh, my. <laughs> there you go. I also absolutely love the final line of the movie where uh, someone's like, you know, what? what's our course, Captain? And he says, you know, that away. <laughs> Up there. <laughs> Up there. That away. <laughs> that, you know, yeah. That away. <laughs> it's like, that's, that's Kirk in a nutshell. It's like, let's just go somewhere. It'll be awesome. Well, go, go long enough in one direction. We're gonna find some shit to do. Yeah. Well, or what? Well, we'll get we'll get we'll get a reading on something, and then if we need to make a turn, we'll go that direction. And who knows? As long as it's uh, not set to Alta Five, uh, just make sure don't do not go to set to Alta Five because that's the, that's where they go for Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan. Anyway, so just the thing with this movie is that the fact that it it's one big action scene is that they shoot a meteor out of a wormhole. Uh, when they're going through it and you have basically while we're discovering with the characters at the same time just going through the V'ger we're kind of taking in the splendor at the same time as the characters and it kind of gets into like these big philosophical questions of you know why am I here it's so 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 Star Trek to think that less than 10 years ago you had a movie that got released in theaters and was even partially shot on IMAX where instead of basically being themes of discovery, it's the Star Trek crew learning to work together as a team, like the Justice League and the Avengers, and they get together to violently punch Benedict Cumberbatch in the face. Cumberbatch in the face. <laughs> oh, and also, yeah, and it's also got a bunch of shit that you recognize through cultural osmosis, like Tribbles and the Con Line, and I've given her all she's got, Captain, and Klingons are in it too, and. There's a lot of rat tat, rat a tat tat, boom boom, and explosions, and a whole bunch of shit that makes no sense whatsoever because it's not a science fiction film; it's an action film. It's a pretty 
formulaic action film at that. Uh, and also one where that, that film in particular, you can actually cheat death. It doesn't matter. Whereas here, when Ilya and Deckard, they're basically listed as missing in action, there are consequences. <laughs> there are hard consequences when things happen. And wherever Ilya and Decker are now, they are not what they physically used to be. <laughs> right. And I love that about this. And I love that it's not really spelled out for us what that next form is or what it's going to do, if we'll ever see it again. So it's, yeah. again, it's the it's the theme of the movie, that quest for knowledge. And sometimes you accept that you can't understand everything and you just move on to the next thing, the next mystery. Yeah. Ah, uh, so good. So good. I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's really great. Do you want to talk about the guilty pleasures of characters in Star Trek, the motion picture, the director's edition? I mean, I almost feel like there, there are two key characters that we had to go to the guilty pleasures of. But right, I want you you, 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 you pick you, anyone you want for me. Actually, I was going to say you pick one for me first. Um, well, I, I have to make sure we talk about Decker. So I'm going to give you Decker. All right. Uh, and I want to talk about Ilya. So I'll give you Ilya. Which version of Ilya? Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. Surprised me. How about that? Mm, okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll say Ilya, but I won't say specifically Ilya before Probe or, or Ilya Probe. So I'll let you decide. As for Decker, all right, so that scene where he's introducing all the, uh, the places where they can play games in the Enterprise to the Ilya Probe. I think a guilty pleasure of Decker's is that he likes to basically kind of act as a bit of a shark there. Uh, try to open up his own little like, you know, little gambling type of thing. But he he like he was like his his pleasure, guilty pleasure is that he'll, he'll try to rig it in his favor. Maybe not necessarily for like a lot of currency or anything like that. But because I mean, actually, because, yeah, in, in Star Trek, the, the currency is not really a thing. They don't really need that. But it's more so bragging rights, and so you're right. He'll, yeah, he'll he'll try to he he likes to try and cheat his way to bragging rights, basically. Uh, so he'll try to rig the games as much as possible. But there's there is always a foil that always would want to keep him to pursue those guilty pleasures, and that was of course Ilya, because uh, there was one game that he specifies that Ilya and he would play. And Ilya would almost always beat him, no matter how hard he tried to rig it. He, no matter how hard he tried to Kobayashi Maru that thing, <laughs> you know. So, I, so yeah, Decker's guilty pleasure is spending a little too much time in that gaming room and rigging the games so that he wins and basically winning bragging rights. That's his guilty pleasure. All right, what do you got? I mean, it was it's so wild because that's exactly like gambling was exactly what I was thinking for Decker. So it's mm. like you are you are inside my mind. Um, <laughs> oh, I mind oh, melded. I mind melded with you. <laughs> I have a I have a good one for Ilya. All right, because we haven't talked about her species has the, the delta kind of like yes. kind of kind of like, like a Vulcan like quality. She's not the most emotional person, but she can um, like shut down people's feelings. Yeah, like I she guess. did with that like uh, with the checkoff whenever he gets burned. Yes. Yeah, she like she like severs a nerve that so he can't feel the pain of his injury. I'm wondering if her guilty pleasure is like doing that to people. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, she'll like be in line with someone and like make their leg go to sleep. <laughs> and that and it'll wear off. It'll wear off in a little bit, but it's really funny to her. It's like she's celibate. She has to get her her rocks off doing something. I think she might enjoy like little pranks. 
give give guys blue balls or kill their boners. <laughs> well, she definitely does that as well. <laughs> because they're all instantly aroused by her presence and she's like, sorry, I'm celibate. And they're like, oh, <laughs> like Charlie Brown in the football in their pants. But he's like, she's probably like, I could help you with that and like kills the sensation to their dick. Yes. Actually, I'll so tell you, was like, that actually would be kind of for a while. There, there are circumstances where that would actually be very useful. Oh, absolutely. My God. Like, you know, you're just, you're just sitting down minding your business and all of a sudden, what, why, why is, <laughs> what the fuck? What is, what is it with this thing? Why do we even carry these around? <laughs> seriously, seriously, like the, the, the penis is like the most fucked up organ ever. It's, it's pretty weird. That's why there's no, that, that's how I know there's no God. Like what? <laughs> What, what, what kind of God would do this? <laughs> fucking sociopath would. That's why there is no God. There's no sense. There's no rhyme or reason to it or anything like that. There's just V'ger. There is only V'ger. <laughs> yep, but the, and I don't, I don't part, think we even like talked about the the real twist of the movie that V'ger is Voyager. Voyager that's right. 6. Vo- Voyager 6. That's right. Which, is, which um, they, did, they did mention Voyager 6 early in the film, and that's where they end up finding it. Yeah. Which I think it nicely plays into the overall theme of that exploration and the seeking of knowledge. And it's like Voyager, the, our our first real foray into the quest for knowledge in the solar system and beyond. And the, yeah, the twist is we had already found it. <laughs> yeah, the right, the cr- right, right where you least expect in the middle of a a monster cloud. Middle, middle of the monster cloud. So in a way, the creator was us the whole time. The creator, the the real creator was man. Yes. Yes. Man, <laughs> man and his sloppy dick. Jesus. Oh, Tyler, what would you like to plug or recommend as we we wrap up today's well, episode? Aside from Star Trek, the motion picture, the director's edition 4K, aside from that, which I highly recommend you go see because it is immaculate. It is the definitive, the definitive way to see Star Trek, the motion picture. I really liked Scream 4. Uh, I'm glad you recommended that one. As I was going through my Scream marathon, I really like that Scream 4. Um, I, obviously, everybody talks about the first Scream. First Scream, love it. One of my favorite slasher movies. So obviously, if you haven't seen if you haven't seen Scream, before you watch Scream 4, watch Scream. Uh, but in terms of the sequels, I really like that Scream 4. And the, and the Scream that came out this year, too, was also really good. Uh, check that one out as well. So what would you pl- what would you plug or recommend, Joe? Well, last night I watched Candyman. I had never seen it. Oh, which one? The original? The original Candyman. Ooh, yeah. And it's super fun and super creepy. Virginia mm-hmm. Madsen's awesome. I did not yes. know that Virginia Madsen is Michael Madsen's sister. Correct. And I'm almost through. I was watching before we started recording the the new Candyman from this year. Which yes. is also really fun and creepy and a, a nice, fun spin on the original, like Scream 4. Yeah, absolutely. And also a good continuation of that first film as well. Yeah, because it's, I, I was expecting like a reboot, but it's kind of like Scream 4 in that it's a sequel and a reboot and everything. And it's really cool and creepy. And I, and I hear Barbarian's good. That's on HBO Max now. I'll be checking that out probably as soon as we get done recording or at least start that. And yeah, I also want to check it out. But you can follow us on Twitter at Word Salad Radio. You can join the Word Salad Radio Heads Facebook group. You can contribute to patreon.com slash word salad or write us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts to help more people find us. 
Jerry Goldsmith, thank you for signing us off with your beautiful score. Joe, as always, thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming on, Tyler. You are not guilty. Good night, Andrew. Live long and prosper. Motherfucker.